Every theater has a story to tell, and not just on stage. Theater legends abound worldwide from ghosts in the wings to phantoms of the opera. In this episode, we step into Proctor's Theater in Schenectady, New York. Are the lights on? Good. Welcome to Listen with the Lights On. I'm Jessica Blaustein Marshall. And I'm Patrick Garrett. Opened in 1926, Proctor's was the crown jewel of founder F.F. Proctor's then highly successful chain of theaters. Proctor was often lauded as the Dean of Vaudeville, and at the time he built Proctor's, Schenectady was the electric city powering and lighting the world. Today, it hosts a wide variety of performances, from big-budget star-studded Broadway musicals to big-name concerts, shows, and movie screenings. It's a grand space with gilded carvings, marble wainscoting, massive murals, and velvet curtains. It's also home to some legends, in particular that of a ghostly dog named Azzy. We met up with Proctor's tour guide and history committee chair, Marilyn Sassy, who told us more about some of the theater's legends. This was not his first theater in Schenectady. 1911... He decided that Schenectady was important enough. Now, at that time, that he wanted a theater here, so he purchased a theater that had not been completed. It was it, it was the bare bones of a theater that was located on the corner of Liberty and Erie Boulevard. Okay. Now, across it's today it's a parking lot, and right across Erie Boulevard is Amtrak. So um, they start renovating to get it ready for his theater, and he thinks this is a very good opportune time to go on vacation. <laughs> so he and his wife Georgina go um, to Europe with their best friends, a Mr. and Mrs. Henry Harris. And he was a very well-known producer on Broadway. So they, they uh, are going to go to England, and they take an ocean liner to England, and they're going to stay a month. Now that was... It wasn't 1912 by any chance, was it? That's exactly the story. So they're, you know, they're going over the holidays of 1911, and they're going to be gone a month. So they're going to be back in the spring of 1912. He gets a telegraph from the theater manager at that theater saying, if you and your wife want to be here, when the theater opens, you're going to have to cut your vacation short because we're way ahead of schedule. And he says, there's no way I'm not going to be there. So they leave the Harrises. They cancel their reservations on the ocean liner they're meant to come back on. They take another one. It was the Titanic. Oh, that's and chilling. Oh my our gosh. history committee has done the research, and we have the documentation showing that, unfortunately, Mr. Harris drowned. And Mrs. Harris was the last woman pulled aboard a life raft. So if it weren't for that, this theater wouldn't exist. Absolutely. Wow. That's, Absolutely. That's a heck of a whew, <laughs> yeah. providence right there. Let's move on to some of the myths and legends. Yes, about the and theater. I'm going to start out with something right up on stage. Okay. 
Now, do you see that little stand on wheels? Yep. Right in the middle. There's a light bulb hanging from it. Is that a head on top? Okay, of it? let me explain <laughs> what what the 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 stage crew does here. Okay. The stage crew likes to decorate what is called the ghost light. Okay. Okay. And you never know what you're going to find. There's all kinds of decorations, and t- this is brand new. That head has a little <laughs> a little headset on it. <laughs> it's really funny. It's a little mannequin head with a wig, and it has a headset. That's the latest decoration. How often does it change? It changes quite often. Okay. A lot of times with uh, the seasons. Yes. Oh, my goodness. But initially, here is a legend that isn't just this theater. It's theaters across the world. Mm-hmm. Stage people, performers in general, are very superstitious. And all you have to do is think about the term break a leg. Mm-hmm. They're not going <laughs> to say good luck. And it you trace it back to years and years and years. And when we start with the first theaters, which started in Italy, it was an outdoor uh, traveling troubadours called the Commedia dell'arte. Mm-hmm. And um, they they perform from little village to village, and these a lot of these superstitions start with the early performers. And uh, when they started building a, a theater, when they started going indoors to a theater, they started to feel that if the theater was left in the dark with no lights, it would open the theater to evil spirits. It would invade the theater and cause all kinds of havoc and even affect the acts. And so the theater can never be left dark. And so in this theater, in the GE Theater, in every theater, you have what is called a ghost light. Of course, there's a practical reason because the crew is coming in in a pitch black. They're not going to want to topple down off the stage. But it did start out as, as a superstition, as a legend. They just leave it up there all... What happens is that would be lit if nobody was here. When uh, okay. Sometimes, if, especially if I'm going to be doing a tour on a weekend and nothing is going on and there's nobody working, that light is going to be on. Okay. So uh, what are the stories that are unique to, to this theater? Well, for many years before the expansion... People wrote about, and I actually have old typewritten stories that people wanted to leave um, so that people coming after them would really understand uh, phenomenons that they had experienced here. And I was told a story by uh, a member of housekeeping who is no longer here. That was, that was backed up by several other people in housekeeping that are here when it is completely dark and there is no one around. And all of these ghost stories occurred before the big expansion. And what is felt is that when the expansion took place, for instance, they had to tear two tiers of dressing rooms out. Okay. Initially... There were two tiers of dressing rooms right where you're looking at the back of the stage. Okay. In order to expand, and the reason behind expansion, and this is the case not only with our theater, but theaters across the country, 
was Phantom of the Opera. When Phantom of the Opera became such a huge hit, in, first in London and then when it came to Broadway, every theater wanted to have Phantom. But very few theaters were big enough, the stage were, were big enough to accommodate it. Mm-hmm. And so you can thank Phantom for the expansion because now the theater wanted to have every Broadway show that was produced initially for Broadway be brought here. And the only way they could do it, they had to expand. Mm-hmm. So they more than doubled with height and depth of the stage. And that meant tearing out two tiers of dressing rooms. And it's felt that the disruption of the theater is the reason that the activities stopped. I'm going to tell you one that so many people know about because it was um, so, so well known. Back when only movies were shown here, and this would have been in the 50s, early 60s, before the theater started to really fall apart. The ushers that were here were told, do not leave the theater until you make sure that every single person has left for the evening because the kids would get in here and think it was great to spend the night in the theater. <laughs> and so this usher, and I had the t- type of this old typewriter, you, you know, from the 50s. He typed it up before he left because he felt it was important enough to leave. He said he was patrolling, and he's walking down the aisle, that aisle. And he said he heard voices. He heard a man and a woman, or, or definitely. So he, tr- he went up on stage, and... The closer he got to the dressing rooms, the louder the, the voices. Hmm. So then he realized the voices were coming from the second tier. There were stairs going up to the second tier. He follows the voices. Now, back up a minute. The theater had not been using those dressing rooms for years because it was really only showing movies. Occasionally, um, a Schenectady Light Opera performance, a ballet performance... But generally, those dressing rooms were not cleaned unless something was taking place. And they were all dusty, dirty, because nothing had been going on that needed dressing rooms. He follows the sounds, and now he's hearing water rushing. Now, they had bathtubs, showers in the dressing rooms. And he goes to a closed door where it's really loud, opens it, and he cannot believe his eyes. Every light in the dressing room is on. Water is pouring into the bathtub, and there's not a speck of dust. Whoa. And he writes that down. And there's nobody there? Not a soul to be found. Not a soul. Wow. The story that that I witnessed, I can't say witness, but <laughs> I was told by a gentleman who's no longer here who was so terrified of having me tell the story because I we had a ghost tour here. Mm-hmm. He was terrified of retribution from this entity that he wouldn't let me tell the story. He finally relented, but it took like pulling teeth. Wow. He was going up the stairs to that second tier of dressing rooms and he saw a woman standing at the top of the stairs in clothes that 
no woman be, would be wearing today. Now, he didn't know costume well enough to be able to describe what that woman was wearing, but he said old-fashioned. And he felt anger emanating from her, more than anger. What was emanating for her, she scared him to death. He was petrified. And he backed off, and several of the crew, the housekeeping crew, backed him up and saw the same figure. And it, it, it really affected me because of his fear. Mm-hmm. And she, this entity, this woman, has not been seen. Mm-hmm. But I have one other story, which I just discussed with one of our um, house managers who was privy to this, and she backed this up again. But to back up for a minute, the theater manager had a friend who had a dog, a shepherd mix, that had a huge litter of puppies. And he was asked if he wanted a puppy. And he said, yeah. He said, I'll come and get a puppy. And the brunt of the litter is the one that he just fell in love with. And Mm -hmm. he adopted this little puppy that he called Azzy which is short for asbestos. <laughs> and there was asbestos all over the theater. This is the 1912 theater. Oh, okay. And gotcha. so it was A-Z-Z-Y, little Azzy, and he loved this little dog. So he brings the puppy um, to the theater here, and the dog lives backstage, and everybody loves Azzy. And the stars that come and perform here, they, they buy her... Um, presents and they give her treats all the time and pet her before they go on stage everyone adored the dog and when she died people just cried there's even an article that i found they took her for a ride in a plane they took her (laughs) for a plane ride around schenectady and you know she's featured all over in these articles and they they said there wasn't a dry eye here when the dog passed away and for years afterwards People who knew about the, you know, people working here would hear click, 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 the sound of the little toenails hitting the stage as Azzy walked, and would see like what they thought for sure was Azzy crossing the stage. Well, now we back it up to only about five, six years ago. There was a graduation here. Even one of the local high schools were graduating, and a gentleman who was sitting down in fairly close to the stage, like orchestra section, got a hold of the usher and started yelling at this usher. He said, look, I came to see my grandson graduate, and there's a great big shaggy dog sitting in the chair in front of me, and not only is he sitting there, he's obstructing my view, and I want that dog removed. There's no dog. So they go to the stage manager, And they say, you know, this man is horribly upset. She said, well, bring him to me. So he's brought to the stage manager, and he is screaming. And she adds more than what he said. Not only is the dog obstructing his view, but the dog is drooling on on him. He said, the dog is drooling. You've got to get rid of the dog, or I want my money back. So she gives him the money back for his ticket, and she's taking this seriously. She said she had to. 
She knew the legends of Vazzy had been going on for years. The man is swearing that the dog is sitting in front of him. And so she had every usher that was working that day stay behind, not letting them leave when the the graduation ended and having them comb the entire theater to look for a dog. Wow. Now, the the story of the woman, was she based on, do you think she was based on anybody that really existed? Or? That we don't know. No, no clues as to who we she is. We have absolutely was. no clue as to who that could have been. Hmm. Yeah, those are some of the, you know, the, the legends that go with the theater. <laughs> Those are great, especially the dog one. I like the dog one a lot. Uh, there was one that I was kind of surprised at because of what I found. Uh, there was a story about um, a circus that was going to perform on stage. And one of the acts was a lion. And they brought the lion cage to the backstage area and then transferred the lion or attempted to transfer the lion from the cage, a traveling cage, to a holding cage backstage. And the lion got away. Oh, no. And the lion ran all around the theater. <gasps> oh, no. And there was, so then a story emerged that people were seeing a lion because a lion loved the theater. I didn't take that seriously. Well, <laughs> I didn't take it seriously until about, uh, about a year ago. I was going, I do a lot of work with the collections, we go through and we work together with all of the memorabilia and all of the early records of the theater. We have tons of photographs. Wow. And I'll be darned. Here's a great big 8 by 10 photograph of a man lying on the floor with his head like here on his hand, held up by his elbow. And face to face with him is his lion, and they performed here. And I thought, oh, my goodness, there's the lion. <laughs> People don't say they still see the lion running through here. No, right now, no, so no, a, not anymore. Not up. anymore. Yeah, <laughs> the really story funny. of Vassie was the was the last one. Oh, yeah, that's great. At least that's a nice, friendly ghost, a big, <laughs> lovable dog that everyone loved, yeah, except for that one guy. Yeah. It was a lovable dog, exactly. Why do you think the theater kind of these legends surround the theater still today? I mean, what is the power of the theater that kind of keeps these alive? Well, I think the retelling, uh, not only the retelling of the stories, the fact we, are, we were able to retell the stories because the people were so much affected by these stories that I've told you that they wrote them down. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I personally heard from this gentleman what had happened to him and backed up by several other of the housekeeping crew. I mean, you start to wonder, you know, it isn't just one person, it's several people. And then we have the story of Vazzy, and all of this is uh, anniversary booklets were written, the, the, the 75th anniversary, the 50th anniversary, and the stories are in there, mm -hmm. in these booklets. And then you have them repeated in like the Assy story with the dog who can explain why the man saw a shaggy dog mm -hmm. so it actually happened or people thought it happened mm -hmm. you know it all depends on some people believe in spirits and some people don't do you know any theaters with great legends tell us about them email us at lightson@wamc.org. at wamc.org if you like this episode 
stay tuned. We have another podcast coming out about theater legends. Thanks for joining us. Listen with the Lights On is a production of WAMC. Our theme music is Grizzly Reminder by Midnight Syndicate. For more spine-tingling tales, check out our podcast or head over to WAMC.org. 